All right, so we're trying to um, understand a very difficult topic, a topic of crime. So we'll start off with a uh, fascinating story. It's a, it's a tradition that that uh, that we have. They say it, it said over in the name of the Ramah. Ramah brings down that when Yirmiyahu, the prophet, what's your Hebrew name? It's gonna be a Yaakov. Oh, there you are. So Yirmiyahu was uh, was bewailing the destruction of the base Hamikdash. So he encountered Appleton, the Chacham Umus Olam. You don't know who that is? Fox. What? Fox. I remember the famous story with the fox. Fox? Yeah. The, no, there no, fox no, 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 a person, a person, not a fox. Uh, no, no. Plato. Plato. Plato in Hebrew is called Appleton. Appleton. In whatever language, that's that's how in in Jewish Jewish sources, if you see the name Apalton, that is a reference to Plato. It's not a computer. <laughs> right. Um, so so play and Plato asked him. He said, "Yirmiyahu." You're such a wise man. So I want to ask you two questions. First of all, why do you cry over sticks and stones? And second of all, why are you crying over spilled milk? You hear the question? Speak it out. What are the two? What are the two captures that Plato asked Yirmiyahu? Why are you crying over sticks and stones? If you say back to me the same words that I say, then it's not gonna. I'm not sure if you know. Maybe you know exactly what you mean, or maybe you don't. Or, may, or maybe you just. So why are you crying over back? something that's that, that's not a living thing? Like it's. Why is living uh, something that is important and, and something that's not living is not important? Because you can rebuild the not living. Living, you build. I, uh, you know, it's been over two thousand years. We haven't managed to rebuild it yet. We have the possibility of rebuilding. Okay. What if it's impossible to rebuild? I don't know. You, you don't have the natural resources. Uh, is, uh, I think it's worthless. What? It's worthless. Worthless has no value whatsoever. No, like, so why do people build it? Like right. a stick and a stone. What do you mean? It comes naturally. You find a stick. You find a stone. You're gonna cry over it. It's like some like thing that like. Well, that's not the trauma. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. And therefore what? Therefore, it's a smaller loss. Oh, good. Yes, yeah, so I just I just wanna scale back a little bit your youthful, uh, fiery. Um, you know, uh, zealousy, the zealousy, right? It's worthless. Anything in all of my but you're by by uh, by Zacharia, right? It's it, if it's not Torah, it doesn't have it doesn't have any value, right? 
So, so okay, so it just, but the, seemingly it's not a very valuable thing. Sticks and stones. Right? You hear that? You hear that? Difficulty that Plato is raising with Yumiyahu? That's one. And the second kasha that he asked him was what? Milk. That one I didn't understand. Spilled milk. He didn't actually say those words. It's, a, it's an American expression. You have to crying over spilled milk. He's a second generation American born Russian. <laughs> Daniel, you've heard the expression crying over spilled milk. Serious? What? I've heard it. It's a very standard expression, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, what thank you, Joe. I, I think it's like an old time, you know. I think it's. Are you saying like it's, like it's like it's like old people? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, uh, I don't know. It's like uh, there's some idiomatic uh, phrases that I think are. Got it. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay. No, so what does it mean? I mean, it's just like when you have, uh, you know, a slip up or or something bad happens to you that perhaps is out of your control, you know. Right. Why not? Oh, no, no, no. that's the previous thing. Trivial is the, he's saying, why are you crying over sticks and stones? Crying over spilled milk, the, the connotation. Okay, see, you're learning it. At least what? Exactly. Exactly. Well, what, what's done is done. That's the expression. Crying over spilled milk is what's done is done. There's no point, there's no, nothing's going to be accomplished through this crying. Can't unring a bell. What? You can't unring a bell. That's, that's the new that's the new expression? Uh, I had one friend who used it once. I know exactly one person who says it, so I don't know if it's more. That's how these things start. Like generation the, Generation Z. That's the Generation Z expression. Actually I found out uh, something interesting today. Um, you know the word Nimrod. It's connotated today. It's you know it's a, it's a character from Tanakh, you know, mighty warrior, right? But it's associated. It, the connotation today is like it's someone who's like an imbecile, a Nimrod. Yeah, I always thought it was like a stupid. What? A, a, a Nimrod is in English. In English, if you get if someone calls you a Nimrod, it, it's 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 connotating that you're. Stupid. Oh yeah. So yeah, if somebody calls you, so it, it turns out it's from Bugs Bunny. And um, I guess Bugs Bunny was referring to Elmer Fudd as a Nimrod, like in a way, you know, he's referring to Nimrod from Tanakh. And like, it meant to be in like uh, kind of a sarcastic way alluding to, uh, you know, somebody worried, oh, you think you're such a Nimrod. And, but the people, you know, the viewers didn't understand the reference and they just assumed it meant uh, uh, he was calling him stupid. So now, ever since then, it's been associated with. Uh, being stupid and uh, uh -huh. okay so that was an interesting aside about uh, new, new terms and expressions that are arising nowadays okay good we like Nimrod enough no he was a bad man yeah. what perfect then you would okay <laughs> got it okay so Yumiahu said back to him said Plato you're a great philosopher, you're a wise man. Surely you have many difficulties and questions that you have not managed to answer, right, Kirill? The greater the thinker, the more difficult questions he has, right? You encounter a guy flipping burgers at McDonald's, he asks him, hey, do you have any difficult questions that you can't figure out? No, I think I, I think I more or less have everything figured out, right? But, uh, but but if you visit the Northwestern PhD faculty, right, you'll, you'll encounter. 
So the point is the greater the thinker, so he, so he, so uh, the more you know, the more you know that you, you know how how much you don't know, right? So he said to him, Plato is such a great thinker. Certainly, you must have lots of uh, very perplexing questions, very difficult questions that you can't answer. So Plato says, I certainly do. I, in fact, I carry a notepad with me always with all these questions. So he said to him, well, why don't you ask me some of them and uh, see if maybe I can answer them. So Plato threw every question he had in the book at Yirmiyahu and Yirmiyahu knocked them all out of the park. Right? He answered everything. Plato's jaw dropped to the floor. I, I couldn't believe what a chokham Yirmiyahu was. And then Yirmiyahu said back to him, said, all this wisdom that I have, I gained from those sticks and stones. That's why I'm crying. And as for your second question, I could answer you, but you won't be able to understand my answer. Okay? That's that's the story. Interesting story? Yeah, I've heard it before, yeah. You have? Oh, cool. Not for me, though. No, no, I think it's somebody else. The Ramosa. Ramosha Israelis. You probably heard in his name. Okay. So. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Th- those are impo- that was an important sentence that you missed because you came late. I'm glad you uh, see this. This is the poshup shot of what the mission in Perkiavos means. Uh, wait, I don't know if you were there. No, ain't a Baishan Lomid. What? Probably Hanukkah. But uh, but it's also a mission for cows. Uh, we, we learned it last week. Ain't a Baishan Lomid or the week before. Ain't a Baishan Lomid means someone who is uh, who is uh, bashful can't learn, right? Because the point you have to do you have to do exactly what Kidil just did. You have to say, I apologize, I missed that one sentence. I'm not going to be able to follow the rest of the. Cheers, I'm very glad that you asked, right? Because that this is the key sentence. So, Yirmiyahu was crying over the destruction of the base Hamigdash. Okay, and he met Plato, and Plato asked him that the philosopher, right? And Plato asked him those two dif- those two difficulties. First of all, why are you crying over sticks and stones? And second of all, why are you crying over what already happened? What's done is done. Okay. So. Okay. So that. So those. So those are the two answers that your meow gave him. So answer number one was what? Okay. And therefore, how does that answer the difficulty? So again. So. Uh, so Jeremy, you, you you explained what Plato's first difficulty was, yeah. right? Why you can't go sticks and stones? The difficulty was what? That, you know, the sticks and stones have no neshama, they have no... And therefore what? They don't have as much inherent worth. They don't have much worth, right? Sticks and stones are not very valuable, right? 
Yeah, if you have to save a human life or the Brooklyn Bridge, which one do you save? Human life, even though the Brooklyn Bridge probably cost I don't know how many millions of dollars to build, right? It's probably a very, very expensive project, right? But what? Uh, no? no, okay. But uh, but a human life is a, is very very precious. Pre whereas uh, sticks and stones or metal is uh, not very valuable. So what did your meow answer him? The thing that shapes me as a person came from this. Has a lot of wisdom in it. The sticks and stones had a lot of wisdom in it. Yeah, but it's a bit of a, it's a bad answer because you already got all the wisdom from it. They're valuable. That lot of wisdom. Oh, he he extracted already all the wisdom. There's nothing left. You don't need it. You have, he has it all. He has it all. Uh -huh. Okay, maybe not. No, but I think like a place can become a part of you as a person. The answer is to me that it's valuable. Because if the difficulty is that it's not valuable, so the answer is it's valuable. It's a lot of wisdom. You have to say much, much, much else. Okay, good. So now, okay, good. That's one. Okay, so I, I have three difficulties with this story. Okay, first of all, um, just because your meow demonstrate, demonstrated, Plato didn't ask him for demonstration. Plato asked him for what? Plato asked him, just tell me, explain to me why you care about these, what is so valuable about these sticks and stones. Right? So what do you have to go through a whole demonstration? Hey, ask me some difficult questions. I'm going to answer all of them. And I got to just say, all the wisdom that I have came from those stones. Why didn't you do that? To prove, to like, to, to like demonstrate, like right. to awe. Okay, fine, good. So that's perhaps, perhaps you wanted to, you know, ah, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure how smart you are. I don't know. I mean, you know, he did introduce his difficult. Plato did start off by saying, right that uh, being that you're such a wise man, so why why are you crying? Uh, right? Why, by the way, why did players say being that you're such a wise man and why are you crying over the over these sticks and stones? Why did he just... What is that, what, you, does it take a wise man to not cry over sticks and stones? The answer is yes, right? If you ask uh, a regular guy, you know, do you save, do you save the Brooklyn Bridge or this, here you have a, I don't know, a, a 90 year old um, frail old woman or whatever it is, right? So who do you save? So like, I don't know, she only has like a few years left. How much productivity does she have already left in her, right? Well, how much, what, how much could she possibly earn in the next few years, right? That <laughs> she has left. Right? Brooklyn Bridge is a hundred million dollar uh, thing. There's no way, right? So, so what will Kochum say? What do you say, the 90-year-old woman or the Brooklyn Bridge? Why? Because human life is infinite worth. Oh, exactly, exactly, right? Jeremy got it right. So he's a Kochum, right? So Kochum <laughs> understands. So uh, I mean, someone's not a Kochum. He looks at things superficially. If you look at things superficially, so you think, what do people do? Well, people are kind of like sophisticated robots. They like have arms, they can move, they can 
hit with a hammer, right? So there's only so much productivity that they had. Um, so if the base of Migdash was a hundred million dollar building, then okay, then I understand why you would cry about it, right? But a Chacham sees things for what they really are, inside. What is this thing, right? And what this thing is, is it's a, this thing doesn't have an Ashama. Right, the Brooklyn Bridge doesn't have an Ashama. The old woman, nine years old, maybe she only has another six months left, but she has an Ashama. And there's not, you can't compare one moment of being alive and recognizing your creator and thinking about the purpose of why you're alive to a hundred million dollars. Okay, that's that's why. So so again, so, yeah, so, so the Plato already knows that Yirmiyahu was a chacham. So I know. So why Yirmiyahu is to prove? But let's say he he felt he needs to prove. It. Okay, he needs to prove that he got this wisdom from there. Let me ask you a question. What he the, the demonstration that he brought does that prove? That these sticks and stones had wisdom in them, or they are a source of imbuement of wisdom? Why not? What? Right. He might be wise from other sources. I mean, if if the point is to prove it, even if you're going to give me an explanation, so give me an explanation. No, I want to prove it to you. So you want to prove it to me? Okay. So, but uh, how are you proving it to me? You're proving to me that you're wise, right? But does that mean that you're honest? Like, does that mean that you're going to actually tell me that, you know, does it mean that I should believe you more, that you got this wisdom from these sticks and stones? If I just told you, listen, these sticks and stones, imbuing all my wisdom, you'd be like, no, I don't, I, I don't even know if you have wisdom, or, or I, I don't trust you, right? Okay, but now that you're a big hokam, now I trust you. I mean, a hokam could be a liar nonetheless, right? Be very wise, but still be a liar. Here, so, so it's not really. Uh, you mean like divine wisdom, in the sense that like it wasn't necessarily learned as was revealed. What? It's it's not necessarily like learned; it was revealed wisdom. Okay. And the only way it could be revealed, well, not like it was revealed in the face of English, but it was sort of the representation of an event that revealed all this wisdom. So again, why not just explain it? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so what wisdom do you get from the Beit Hamikdash? What wisdom do you get from the Beit Hamikdash? That's a great question. Very good. Okay, great. And then the obvious question is afterwards we'll have to get to that'll probably be uh, much closer to Tisha B'av, Is the second question that Plato asked Yirmiyahu is why are you crying over the past? Right, so, so that he says, I could answer you, but you wouldn't be able to understand. So we have to understand what, what kind of answer I mean. Uh, Shmiao is clearly acknowledging Plato as a great wise man as well. Right? You're very wise, certainly, you have lots of questions. So, why is this like a, oh no, this you can't understand. I mean, is it just like an insult? He just wanted to kind of give him a little bit of a, of a jab, like in the, you know, or, or, uh, how is he so convinced that Plato is not going to be able to understand? Does that make sense? That's another question. Okay, fine. So, but the main thing we want to understand is, how is he answering him? Okay, so, so there's a, there's a, uh, statement of the sages is brought in Rashi, in uh, actually it's coming up for us in Bamidbar. In um, 
I think in Pinchas. I think in Parsha's Pinchas. Um, maybe the next Parsha. Uh, th- that um, wh- whichever Jewish soldiers um, were engaged in mortal combat with the Midianites, and they killed the Midianites, so uh, those those soldiers would need to be sprinkled with the waters of purification. Right from the from the paraduma, yeah, the the red heifer waters. Right? Why? Because since they killed people in battle, so the halacha is like this: that a dead body transmits tuma, spiritual impurity. Now, uh, that is the different rules how it transmits it. But if a person is holding a metal sword. And the metal sword is touching the dead body, which often happens when you've pierced the dead body with a metal sword, right? And you're holding on to the, uh, what is it called? The hilt? hilt? Nice. Hilt. Where did you know that word from? I like swords. Okay. Um, so, so, so then the person who's holding the sword also becomes tummy and needs not not just a regular tummy but, but tuma's mace it's a very high level tuma that uh, th- that one needs to be uh, sprinkled with the waters of the paraduma in order to be purified from it okay so rashi there explains to us a little bit of tuma and and, and rashi uh, needs to uh, speak out a point uh, that uh, one might think is that there's other statements of the sages elsewhere that the that the nations of the world do not mean the well, the seventy nations do not contaminate do not make spiritual impurity in their death the way that the Jewish people do. So as she says that's only as it pertains to the concept called Tumas Ohel. That if you have a if you have a dead body lying inside of a room, right? So then if that body is a Jewish body, then it contaminates everything in the room. Okay? Whereas a non-Jewish dead body that's lying in the room would not do that. But, says Rashi over here, that's only when it comes to Tumas Ohel. But direct contact Right then, that, that uh, is uh, the the nations of the world also uh, uh, have spiritual contamination, just like the Jewish people. Is that unanimous? Unanimous. Yes. Rashi says that's unanimous. Right. Everyone agrees with Rashi. I'm not aware of anybody arguing. I think I think it's in the first Gemara. Yeah. Okay. Now. So at first glance, anybody want to speak out? Does that, does that sound intuitive? Does that sound difficult? Is that what you would have expected? I think just the whole action, act of going out to war and killing people, I guess that would make sense that you receive spiritual impurity. Yeah. Right. Okay. Fine. I mean, death, a dead body. You can go directly from that to base of exertion. Yeah, okay, so yeah, so I mean, death is bad, death is connected to Tuma, right? All Tuma, in fact, stems from death in one way or another, uh, and uh, 
and that's why person who is in contact with that body becomes tummy. That okay, good. What about the distinction between a dead body of a Jewish person versus a dead body of uh, a non-Jewish person? So again, so they both contaminate through direct contact, right? But uh, contamination in an ohel, tumas ohel, where uh, which is uh, this. Uh, this past week's Parsha, right? Zos Taurus Adam Kiyamus Be'ohel. Parsha's Hukas, right? That when a person, meaning a Jewish person specifically, dies in a tent, then he contaminates everything in the tent. Non-Jewish person does not. Is that is that intuitive? What? Why? Wait, wait, he contaminates everything. Jewish person dies in a room. Everyone in the room becomes contaminated. A non-Jewish person dies in the room. Only if someone's touching him. Yeah, it doesn't sound like, it sounds like there should be uh, consistency, quality, quality. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, but we know that. Listen, you know, to be to be. To be transparent, right? We know that Jewish people and, non- and non-Jewish people are not the same. We are made up of different spiritual stuff, right? We have different roles in this world. We have different numbers of mitzvahs, right? Non-Jewish people have seven mitzvahs. Jewish people have 613 mitzvahs. Uh, there's many things that non-Jewish people can do, no problem. They, can, they want to eat pork, they can eat pork, right? They want to work on Shabbos, they can work on Shabbos. They, they want to eat on Yom Kippur, they can eat on Yom Kippur, wear shatas, they can, it's no problem. We have we have all these all these extra misses they don't have. So clearly there's a double standard, and that double standard has to do with the fact that we are not built in the same way spiritually as they are. Okay. I think that would make sense if, based on what you just explained. Uh, you know, perhaps a passing away of a Jewish person creates like a spiritual like explosion that, that contaminates the room. Whereas uh, like a non-Jewish person passes away kind of in a straightforward way, you know? Okay, interesting. I hear, I hear. And also it would seem that if you wouldn't touch a dead Jewish person, then you become even more tamed. Well, you can't become more than, I mean, it's maximum. There's no more tumor that can be had. Tumor's mace is the highest. More than just being in the organ, but not touching. Say again? More than just being in the organ, but not touching. But again, there's a certain cap, right? Like when you reach maximum, you can't get what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, too much mace is too much, is too much mace. But, but uh, a lot of the commentaries want to know is it seems counterintuitive means if a Jewish let's say you know, if a Jewish soul is uh, uh, higher it's more closely connected to Hashem right more mitzvahs uh, a certain uh, like a firstborn right type of a closeness and the, the, the other nations of the world are not as close. So then, now Tuma, is it a good thing or a bad thing? You know? Tuma is a bad thing. Good. What? That was correct. Tuma is a bad thing. What? Also, I mean, non Jews are not obligated Right, exactly. They don't care. They, it wouldn't be relevant to them. We're talking about rela- in relation to us. 
something that we have to do because uh, the Torah demands, right? The Torah demands it of us, similar no, to the fact that because it's us, not, not, not them, right? Right, but there is no, it's not that thing. No, no, no. Well, it's not physical, but it's metaphysical. But, but it is, but there is really tuma there. It's just that, it, it, it's just that. It, it matters for this person, it doesn't matter for this. It's like, for example, um, a Gerusha uh, uh, marrying a, divorce, a divorcee, right? So a regular Jewish person is allowed to marry a divorcee, right? A Kohen may not marry a divorcee, not allowed. Now, it's, it's not to say that, oh, well, it's subjective if she's a divorcee, she's not a divorcee. No, no, she's definitely a divorcee. It's just that the question is, you know, is that an issue for you or not? So for the for non-Jewish people, tuma is not an issue. There's tuma, but it's just not an issue. For Jewish people, tuma is an issue. I mean, maybe it's also an issue for them. They're just not obligated to purify themselves. So how, what does that mean? It's an issue. I mean, issue. That's what I meant by issue. I issue means that uh, issue means that it'll uh, have uh, it'll determine certain outcomes, right? Like uh, you can do this. They, but you, they both get, get, get contaminated. But the Jewish people. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Maybe the contamination the same way as like you know if you touch something like. Um. Perhaps. Okay. Okay. That's the question. Okay, that's the question. I mean, if a non-Jewish person were to come into contact with another non-Jewish person who is uh, dead body, right? Would he? Is it he? Can you want to know? Is it that he becomes contaminated, but it's just no nafkamina? It doesn't, doesn't make any difference because there's no halachas that pertain to anything, right? Or does it mean that he simply does not contract that too much? Okay, a good question. But coming back to over here, so so a lot of the commentators want to know that seemingly one would expect the opposite. The opposite, that the Jewish people are so holy that they would maybe not create as much tumor. The whole point is that the absence of holiness. Okay, so that's, that's already, okay, good. So that will, that's that's already a principle. It's not a point. It's a principle. I mean, you're you're now unveiling a, a, an important rule, right? That you probably heard at some point, right? Uh, but but. It, initially, it's counterintuitive, right? I mean, you think usually if something is, you know, there's a spectrum of like holy to all the way down to impure, right? Pure and impure, right? So the purer something is, the less impurity it has. And the, right? So you would expect that the Jewish people, you know, being more pure, right, would, have, would not create as much impurity. That's what one initially would expect. But you're right, you're right. That's exactly, so the Kuzari, Right? Uh, says very, what? Very good book. I you have read it. Oh, so that's probably where you got it from. See? Okay. So the Kuzari says this principle that, uh, that actually the way that the way that Tuma works, right, is that it's like the opposite of Kedusha. Right? The, the, the more Kedusha someone has, so then when that when there's lost, when that, there's a vacuum, there's a void of that, so then all of that gets filled in with Tuma. So it's actually, you know, it's like a, the, uh, the higher you are, the taller you are, the, the, the harder you fall type of a principle. Right? So it's good for us yeah. shorter guys, right? Put a little to the ground. <laughs> That's great. <laughs>
<laughs> it's gray in the winter. You know? Oh, like on the, on the, on the Okay, so that is. So that's the kuzuri, right? And that's. Um, Really alluded to in this pasuk, like like we said, the, the pasuk in last week's parsha, parsha's chukas, zos Torah Torah's adam ki yamuz beohel. The verse says, right? The verse says, this is the law of a man when he will die in the tent. Reish Lakish, right? Reish Lakish, one of the great rabbis, says, what does that mean? He expounds the verse. Zos Torah Sadam, this is the Torah of a man. Torah, meaning like the learning of Torah. This is real Torah. What's real Torah? Kiyamus Bo'al, when he will kill himself in, in the tent of Torah. Meaning, in, in, when he will kill himself in the tent, in the learning of Torah, when he gives up every ounce of energy that he has and every desire that he has and every uh, temptation, whatever it is that he. Uh, transforms all of that to the learning of Torah, that's Torah. That's real Torah. It says Reish Lakish, Torah The Torah will not endure in a person unless he kills himself over it. So in this case not literal killing himself over it, but killing himself over it like the expression. Right? What? Don't kill yourself over it. Right. Yeah, I, 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 remember, I remember recently, I was, uh, I think it was the Arab Shabbos, or whatever it was, and uh, there was a Amazon guy maybe came to the door, and brought a delivery of something, and as he's walking, he's like, take it easy. So, and I just reflected on this, I was like, take it easy. Why, why, why should I take it easy? Like, I'm in this world for a short period of time, I shouldn't take it easy, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you have to kill yourself over it, right? It's not, uh, it doesn't work if you take it easy. Yeah, but that's, like, that's an expression. Does not kill yourself over it shorten the period of time that you have here? If physical energy gets drawn out? Um, not necessarily. I don't know about that. But it certainly changes the experience that you have here. But the obvious, the obvious question is that uh, I spoke about this this past Thursday night, last last week's Thursday night, is the shot and the drush have to work together. Shot is the more or less a straightforward understanding of the of the words of the verse, and drush is. Yeah, that is the what the word is. Drush is Drush Midrush, same word. Yes. Right. Good. That's a, that's a, an advantage that Drush has. Yeah, but good. It's the deeper understanding, right? So the Pshat and Drush can't be like this. Like talking about two completely different things, right? That's like a schizophrenic fossil, right? It's, it's the Drush has to be a deepening of the of the Pshat. It's a deeper understanding of the pshat. Okay, so the pshat, the pshat, and the pasuk is talking about what? 
tumor. A person dying and spreading tumor in the room, right? And the drush is what? Uh, person learning Torah, right? So, so we spoke about that last week. But so, what's the connection between those two? Because on the on the let's that's what. Uh, that's what that's what Jeremy is saying that Kuzuri, according to Kuzuri, that the two of them, it's kind of the same thing. It's two flip sides of the same coin. Right? It's the same, the same person that can kill himself in the tent of Torah and become a vessel to contain the Torah is the same person that if that vessel is broken makes this massive explosion, right? This uh, contaminates the, the whole room. And we spoke about it last week, uh, exactly why that is and how that is and why the two deaths uh, work together. Um, I, think, I think it's on the podcast, uh, last week's podcast. Okay, so... Um, the, the 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 outstanding question, however, is okay. So we've shown that tuma, the amount of tuma that one generates, spiritual purity, is commensurate to the level of spiritual greatness that a person has while he's alive. Right? The greater the level, the greater the well, level of the one is, is the greater level of the other. But we did not explain why specifically the difference that we see is in Tumas Ohel. The Tuma of the of the room or of the house that that a person dies in. Right? A person maybe we should maybe should have been um, in direct contact or you're Touching it with a stick or you know, whatever, yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe touching yes, but carrying not, or carrying yes, but standing on it not, or sitting on it not. There, there's there's many different types of tumor. There's right, tumas medras, there's tumas maga, there's tumas bishkov, many different types of tumors. So maybe the difference could have been that. Why why is the difference specifically in the house? <coughs> So we said already this concept that obviously maybe I, I saw some smiles. So, so maybe some people are figuring out that the house is the discussion of the house, right? Contamination of the house is going to lead us to the discussion of women. House? What? Oh, oh, it's Ross. There's only no. two things that can be contaminated in the house. Yes! Oh, the sanctity of the house, the <laughs> contamination of the house, the sanctity of the house. What's that? We were talking about sanctity of the house. What's the topic of this entire... Knowledge of the house. How do you get the sanctity? How am I supposed to know that? Okay. Knowledge was simply a demonstration of why why this is not just some sticks and stones. Right. This is valuable. Now, what is valuable about it? 
We'll see. We said knowledge. No, that's not true. Yirmiyahu never said that. Yirmiyahu said... He showed its value through knowledge. Exactly. He demonstrated his value through knowledge. But not to say that the value. value of the base of Migdash is knowledge. Hey, you know why we had the whole base of Migdash with all the carbonos, all the Quran and everything? It was so the, it was so the people could gain knowledge. It was like a university. University with a bar. It's not so far from being true, right? They're supposed to get a feeling. Oh. Because presence and so Okay, so that's so that's that's Okay. So what about serving Hashem? They're not supposed to serve Hashem. No, but what's the purpose of uh, serving Hashem? What's the purpose? I mean, they can serve Hashem by by the other means, like you know. So here, Hashem commanded to serve him like this. So Hashem commanded to serve him like this. He's saying the purpose is to get to gain his knowledge. Okay. We'll no, see. To get a feeling of his presence. Okay. That's, that's, that's maybe that's different. It's different from it's a little different from what Yeah. So it seems like Yirmiyahu used the knowledge as a demonstration. Perhaps also Plato is a philosopher, right? Yeah. Doesn't care too much about m- most other things, right? What does philosopher care about? Philosophy. Knowledge, right? Okay. Well, philosophy is philosophy is not. Nowadays, people think philosophy is like a branch. You know, like you do, you, do, you can study math, you can study this, you can study philosophy. Philosophy is used to be the study of really anything worth thinking about. It was it was it was asking all the important questions. It was, it was knowledge. It was the pursuit of knowledge. Right? Um, Aristotle was famous for for trying the you know, examining. Um, the the anuses of fleas. That's what do you, right. What do you find? What? What do you find? What? Flea. Um. Lapsha. No, not lapsha. <laughs> um. It's like a fly. No, no, it's not no. a fly. It's like it, <laughs> it lives in your hair, like eats. In a dog's hair. In dog's hair. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your hair, but. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're thinking of lice. lice. Oh, these, these. Flea, flea. Um, so fleas are, fleas are bigger than lice. Okay. They're black, and they jump from the ground, and jump high. And they jump onto dogs or onto, uh, usually onto pets. Okay, we'll have to pick this up uh, next week. Blocha. Blocha?